introducing this. <laughs> um, I can introduce it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 131 of Vague Zone. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas. And I'm Daniel. And today we're just catching up. It's been like two months since we've had an episode. We were, and we probably still are, going to continue uh, our journey through themes with the theme of revolution with the movie Red Dawn. I don't know what year Red Dawn came out in, but we're going to talk about that. Correction real quick. It was Rebellion. Yeah. Because rebellion. I have a movie in mind that doesn't have to do with Revolution, but it does have to do with Rebellion. Gotcha. Sorry, Rebellion. Rebellion was the theme. Red Dawn was the film. That'll be the next conversation. But since many things have happened, I have moved from the Bay Area to Los Angeles over the past couple of months. Many things have happened. That's one big thing. <laughs> lots of movies have been seen. Lots of things have been watched. So yeah, we're just catching up with stuff. So Daniel, what's something you? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Where do we begin? I mean, <laughs> we, ha- we haven't talked about Oppenheimer, right? Yeah, I know. I guess we didn't talk. Or Barbenheimer, <laughs> I should say. Any of that. I guess yeah, we didn't talk about either of those films. Yeah, the big. So, yeah, the like, but I guess probably like the last blockbuster release of the summer and for a while, considering there's a writer's strike happening right now. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was wondering. I was like, should I be, should I cancel my AMC A list at this point? Because mm-hmm. it's been a while since I've been to the theater, and I'm trying to think of what's coming. I feel like there's something coming out that I'm gonna go see. Most busy um, film in the. Um, but that's in like December or something, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's very, yeah, yeah, it's very like far away. Um, but yeah, the last thing, um, what the, honestly, the last big thing coming out is the creator, which comes out like next week. Oh yeah, that's it. That's the one I want to see. Yeah. And then I'll probably just cancel after that because I think it's going to be. Although I, I am seeing pretty decent reviews for um, that new Perot movie. Uh, what's it called? Haunting Manor, something. Haunting in Venice. Yes, yeah, it's got um, Tina Fey is in that movie. Michelle um, Yeoh. Yeah, it looks yeah, it looks good. I like the, the looks good. There's a lot of good like overhead geometric shots. Looks looks fun. It's like a good time. Okay, yeah. Kill- and Killers of the Flower Moon is actually October. I thought it was okay. December for some reason. But um, um okay, Saw maybe X I'll... is coming out. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna see Saw <laughs> X. I think I'll be skipping that one gonna see the new exorcist i remember that trailer played before oppenheimer and we were seeing it in imax like opening weekend so our theater was just filled with like low-key people who are like veterans or like older gentlemen and a lot of older people and i was like this seems like a really strange time to drop this trailer yeah was it effective that trailer on your crowd i don't remember i feel like it was so long ago and i saw i've seen well, to answer the big question, I saw Barbie opening weekend, and I saw it, like, a month after, and then I saw Oppenheimer, like, between that, and then that was, like, a full, like, two months ago, and so the movies, I think Barbie is more in my memory, more vivid in my memory than Oppenheimer, but Oppenheimer, I did enjoy seeing it. The IMAX screening was a, a, a good experience, and I enjoyed it. Did you see it. the the 70 millimeter version? I don't believe it was 70 millimeter. Okay. I think it was just IMAX. Yeah, I saw just IMAX at uh, Bay Street, AMC Bay Street, and it sucked. <laughs> it's, okay. Like, it's just there. There, it, 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 I could see the texture of the screen. It was really distracting. Oh gosh. Gotcha. Um, yeah. That's unfortunate. 
and it just didn't look good. Yeah, I would like. I, I think a Dolby screen would have been a much better experience. But then you're not getting any of, I guess, the extra features that come with the way this movie was shot and stuff. So. Yeah. Well, I guess let's get. Besides that, what did you think of the Of Oppenheimer. Yeah, well, um, yeah. What do you think of Oppenheimer? We'll, talk we'll about start. That. We'll start with one. <laughs> Oppenheimer. I was. I was like, yeah, like Christopher Nolan's a structuralist. Like this yeah. is what he does. Like it's like That's a such very a great <laughs> structuralist. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like a very interestingly constructed movie. Like a very uh, tightly constructed movie, and you got all these great. Uh, supporting performances i feel like are really good in that movie um it's like you could point to any one of those little those scientists on the sidelines and you know it's like a great character actor yeah um but uh i agree yeah a lot of the sideline performances are good but yeah i think the the like there's a lot of the movie's basically about these really riveting conversations like a great interrogation on one hand and then like the amazing set piece of them like going into the desert and building the fucking bomb Mm -hmm. um but yeah like the whole idea of we're gonna approach this conversation from like three different angles and like four different perspectives and like like continually like reveal things and like reveal things that are hidden within this conversation seems like a super convoluted way to approach something that's already like super like no one really knows i'm people i assume people know like the broad strokes of like the story and like what happened but no one knows like the super details of oppenheimer's life and kitty oppenheimer and like this trial or whatever and this salty ass like politician who's wrong yeah is playing but like I, it's just playing it plain would have been nice like just do it like batman or something you don't it doesn't have to be like inception well, i mean <laughs> there was a batman moment in this movie where it's like uh he's wearing a suit and someone yeah. tells him like oh you know dr- you know to dress the way he feels comfortable or like let them know that you're who you are and yeah, then like right. we get this moment of like him putting on the hat and it feels like it's supposed to be this like iconic like you know, Batman putting on his suit for the first time, Definitely. but it's Oppenheimer, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, why are we building this scene this way? His brim is so straight, <laughs> fucking crazy. His pants are so high. Uh, yeah, so I was like, I was rewatching like The Dark Knight, and I think it was, I think that movie is just like a slightly better example of like, yes, there still are like reveals and twists, but it just it's a little bit, it goes a little bit less hard on the gas as far as like making it complex and so when you have moments where like a character has like a one-liner or like you know um something like uh how do you like did i tell you how i got these scars or like you know like the pencil yeah. strip there's like moments in that movie where it's very potent where it's very clear like the screenplay is helping like make it a very defined thing even in the dark knight rises which is like a little bit not as great it still seems to be a little bit more solid with those moments but i felt like with oppenheimer it, there's a an opportunity there to take like a historical movie with like a really great script with really great moments where like something is pointed and you have like a good audience reaction but it's moving too fast and it's too like bouncing around too much that like it doesn't have moments to breathe and let those things Mm -hmm. kind of like sink in and i think it really suffers for that because like it could have been like a very good like comeback like return of return to form so to speak but it seems like it's just more him going into this direction of, yeah. Here's this conversation in four different in four different angles, and four, you know, it's a little too much. 
Like, I didn't feel like the complexity... I feel like the complexity helped make it very engaging. Like, I was always, like, completely hooked into what the movie was doing. Um, I feel like it was paced really well. Like, the way it was rolling out information, like, I was just... I was just there. <laughs> I'm like, I was completely immersed in it. Um, but once we get to the actual testing of the atomic bomb, uh, I feel like that's when the movie kind of allows itself to breathe, brief, to breathe briefly. Um, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, we've tested the bomb. It's been this thing that we've been building up to. It's this really like expertly crafted scene. And then we have the aftermath, which is we don't get to see any of the destruction. Yeah. Uh, but we get to see just like these hoggish Americans like <laughs> squealing with joy yeah. about, uh, you know, the death of hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. Uh, and that is the perspective of horror that is immediate for Oppenheimer. Uh, and I think that is really effective because at first it's like, I remember watching it and being like, this is fucking hell. <laughs> like, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is horrifying. Um, and I think Nolan does a good job of, like, underlying that horror. Um, but I, I think once the movie then pivots into being about this trial, ab about, uh, um, you know, his ability to keep his uh what are his like security per <laughs> permissions security, or something yeah, like security that clearance. Yeah. yeah his clearance then it's like okay like it's hard for me to care about this after yeah. we've just had hundreds of thousands of people die like now like what are the stakes what are the stakes of him keeping his clearance versus losing it because it seems like it's really just coming down to how effective he can be as a sort of activist against the use of nuclear weapons yeah um but it doesn't really I, I don't think it necessarily does that great of a job of saying like these are this is what's at stake if he does not get to keep these clearances like it, it becomes too personal when it is hard yeah. for me to care about the personal stakes in, in this when i've just been confronted with this larger picture you know yeah and I will say I think Robert Downey Jr. does great as Louis Strauss as this sort of like scorned yeah. politician, and I think his performance is is really great in the movie. And I think I keep going back to the screenplay because I think You're that, right. plot, that <laughs> plot line that plot line sort of gives birth to like I think one of the best lines and like one of the last lines of the movie is one I forget what the guy's name it what he does but he's just like. Um, maybe what their conversation, the conversation between Oppenheimer and Einstein, maybe they're just talking about something more important. And that's what I, I, that line really sticks with people as far as like conversations of this movie, because I think, go, I think uh, Nolan does have the ability to write really good like one liners. And I think that's like really on point because uh, it's like, yes, there are like much larger things at stake as we're talking about. Yeah, like we're using this device for war. We're now entering this atomic age and these scientists are giving birth to these devices of just literally mass death. And yeah. it, it, like the fact that we're sort of toiling with like uh, this sort of scorned like politician is sort of like, yeah, why are we kind of dealing with this, even though it is like a good performance otherwise. Um, and it is like a, another like 45 minutes of the movie. So I'm just like, eh. Uh, but I do want more of um, like Kitty Oppenheimer and more of like Florence Pugh and more of like this fantastic cast of characters who are just like amazing. <laughs> but yeah, we sort of shift and kind of focus on this uh, ego battle a little bit. Yeah. 
So which movie portrayed men in a worse light, Oppenheimer <laughs> or Barbie? Um, uh, yeah, men in Oppenheimer definitely seem very petty. But yeah, I think uh, I keep going back to Barbie. It feels just like so appropriate at the, the moment that movie was over. Which one of I these movies hated men more? <laughs> I fucking loved Barbie so much. When we went out, we went to a theater in... Uh, not San Rafael, uh, El Cerrito, I believe. A little, little strip over there, a nice little cute theater. We dressed up in pink and had our uh, rosé. We had pink popcorn. <laughs> yeah, I saw the photos. That looks like a fucking great time. <laughs> we had a. It was a really great time. Um, yeah, great screening. And the second movie was over. I turned my friends. So I was like, yeah, that's like my favorite movie of the year, easily. Um, I appreciate. Yeah, it's like the rabbit hole Ken falls into, and I think it's just a very important important message to be told right now it's like when he goes and just like falls head over heels with like this idea of patriarchy and just transports it back to the pure barbie land and just completely <laughs> just destroys everything that they have so, and yeah it's just it's, it's great i think very very good what do you think of barbie <laughs> uh it was like i'm pretty mixed on it uh because <laughs> it's like yeah, I, I ended up having, like, a day-long discussion with some friends, uh, just, like, over chat about it. And because I came out of that movie being, like, I had a great time. Like, I thought, like, it, it, it kind of sucks to say that in a movie that is so much about, like, gender dynamics from the perspective of women that I walked out of that movie being like, Ryan Gosling did a great job. <laughs> like he was the best part of that movie. <laughs> like, but I think he just, I think he gets a lot to do in that movie because yeah, he gets, yeah. he gets to play hurt. He gets to play empowered. He gets to play, he gets to play a lot more range. I feel like yeah, he gets to like be shitty. He gets to sing <laughs> like, and he gets Truly, to be yeah. like the funniest part of the movie. Um, which is not, you know, this is not to say that, like, Margot Robbie didn't do a great job or anything, because she did. It's just, I think, Ryan Gosling, it gets he gets a lot more. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, um... It's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, like, the I'm just Ken scene. So, like, they released a good chunk of that scene as a trailer, as, like... And that was just it. That Like, the whole trailer was just, like, that song and, like shots from throughout that like musical moment and maybe a few other shots from around the movie but like that was the scene that made me want to see this movie because i was like what the hell is she doing like yeah. greta gerwig like what is what is this gonna be um and i i walked away from this being just like really excited about greta gerwig as a filmmaker because of how yeah. willing to be playful she is and you know, the fact that she, like, I've heard talk, people talk about, like, like it, it's ridiculous to compare Barbie to Oppenheimer, but, like, people were talking about how, like, these are both movies from, like, auteur directors. Yeah, uh, yeah. Both of them are really uh, leaning into the value of practical effects over computer-generated effects. Like, Greta Gerwig yes, is yeah. using, like, hand-painted... Uh, matte paintings for like the backgrounds and stuff like that and like there's this uh so they much both detail have, in that in the yeah. production design <laughs> bees everywhere they both have like these star-studded casts they're both like uh i mean i guess they're both based on other things but uh i don't know there were that yeah there were a lot of like reasons to i guess like compare these movies um but yeah i just came out of it like really excited for greta gerwig as a filmmaker um 
but yeah, when I say I'm conflicted, it's because for me, like, I, th- I think the movie, it's hard to talk about the movie without talking about the politics in the movie. And I think its biggest failure is just that, like, it doesn't, spoiler alert, uh, it doesn't end with, like, a unity message. It ends with, it, it. to me, it feels like there's, like, this liberal thing where people will say, liberals will say, like, this thing is a problem. Uh, we've identified the problem. Now our solution to the problem is we just change who is in power. And it's like, no, you're not, you have to change the power structures themselves. Like just saying, oh, we're going to introduce women into power and we're going to let as many men on the Supreme Court as there are women on the Supreme Court in the real world or something like that. Like, it's like a funny, you know, little joke, like Mm -hmm. wink to the audience. But it's like, why is there a Supreme Court? Like in the Barbie world, (laughs) like why can't they, yeah. (laughs) Why can't they create a world that is better than the real world uh, instead of just a uh, response to it? Um, yeah, that, that's a really like good point. Out. It is, yeah, it's <laughs> like a, a literal, it's kind of like a funhouse mirror in a way because they're, yeah, that's what you said it in such a perfect way. It's like, why is there a Supreme Court? Like, why? It's funny that there's a Mount Rushmore, but why does there need to be a Mount Rushmore? Like, why <laughs> yeah. can't it be? like you know why can't it be like the pyramids or something why can't it be you know like something more indigenous so it's like like, even even in our fantasies we can't fantasize about creating a better world we can only fantasize about creating you know an improved version of the existing one like it's your fantasy like make a utopia (laughs) like yeah I, i i get what you're saying but yeah it's like yeah, despite that, I feel like they snuck, like, a Trojan horse nuke into, like, as far as, like, not, uh, no pun intended comparing it to Oppenheimer, but, like, <laughs> uh, literally into, like, the summer blockbuster in the form of, like, when I, I took my mom to go see it, like, a couple weeks before I moved, and it was, like, a $2 Tuesday in Martinez or whatever, and it was, like, still, like, a pretty full theater with, like, dads taking their, like, daughters to go see the movie, and it's just, yeah. like, this, like, is such, still, like, a subversive as hell movie as far as, like, for, like yeah, little girls and little boys. <laughs> yeah to like to be seeing this and like there's like ripping into like the actual product placement and, and like the materialism of barbies and how a lot of these barbie dolls were created and they failed and they were just tossed aside but here in this world they actually exist the amazing beautiful beats in this movie that they acknowledge um Ray Broman and I can't remember the name of the costume designer who was on the bus stop, but like the two moments that sort of oh, give yeah. honor to like these older generations and like say like yo like you're beautiful and like we we recognize you as like women too is like such an important and invaluable thing that's like this movie takes a moment to like sit Barbie on a bus stop next to like a ninety year old woman and be like yo like we see each other it's such like a powerful thing yeah. it's great to see. Yeah, the idea that... So, okay, this is another sort of complicated thing because it's like, I really love that it ends with this message of like, you're not special because you're a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. You're special because you're a woman. Like, being a woman is enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is like an achievement in itself worth celebrating. But at the same time, like, this is more like a story, like, script thing. I... I, I walked away being like, wait, is that what this movie this movie was about? <laughs> like, like because like I appreciate that that's where we end up, but it's like, was all of this stuff building up to that? Like, I, 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 I mean, I've had some distance between seeing it and now, so it's like I'm struggling to remember. But 
Yeah, I feel like it was a little clunky getting to its conclusions, I think. Yeah, I think you are on point because if you remember the last the last line of the movie is a punchline about her going to the guy gynecologist. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of like this whole point of like the Z of the story is like now she is realizing her womanhood, so now she's stepped into this world of being an actual woman and dealing with the actual like physical side of the experience as opposed to And it's like yeah, and then it's like, why does she want to go to the real world? <laughs> like, after yeah, after yeah. what we just experienced, like, why does she want to do that? Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe she has, maybe Barbie has the ability to radicalize <laughs> the real world. I guess she wants to experience all of the complexities of being a real woman, good and bad. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's the point. Yeah, she shows the <laughs> Maybe I need to watch it. Again. Yeah, shows the Birkenstock and therefore must 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 go um and also i think it's really cool that there was such a big movie moment i love when like the whole world sort of like just gets on board it's like okay yeah we're all gonna be like obsessed with this thing the memes were great i just love when people dress up to go to see movies there's like fucking barbie cut out plastic things in lobbies people taking selfies and shit that's the kind of stuff i love i absolutely love when people fully like immerse themselves in the experience and i think as far as now that we're like in the midst of like the deep part of the strike as we head into like the fall and winter it's like a really special thing to be like yo like barbenheimer was like a really fun (laughs) yeah it was like really fun i was so happy i got to take my mom so i was just like you gotta see once it hit like a billion dollars like you have to see this movie the entire planet for better or worse (laughs) some people some countries are not liking it but like you know it's still fucking Mm. everyone's seen it you have to see it yeah uh, ben Shapiro. Imagine like being in the theater. Imagine being in the theater, and like you look over, and Ben Shapiro is sitting there taking notes on the Barbie yeah. movie, uh, and he's yeah. dressed like one of the characters. He's dressed like all the Kens are when they're all dressed in black and dancing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh shit, man. On Amazon Prime, just like add to cart and adding tons of tons of Barbie dolls to burn. I would have got wasted. <laughs> like, man, yeah. Yeah, it's a good time. Uh, all right, what yeah. else? What else you seen? Um, well, since then, I sort of, as I was like moving, and I like didn't really know what to like really focus on or to watch. I just started watching like I was in an adventurous mindset, so I was like, let me put on some adventure films. And so, one thing, if you people know of me, I have a lot of DVDs and movies, but one blind spot in my collection, I don't have the Lord of the Rings on my oh. shelf. And I also, I haven't rewatched any of those movies since theaters, since they came out in like 2001 or two or something like that, or like however long ago. And so I I will buy like the Blu-ray or the 4K of that before this year's over. That's definitely going to happen. But as anticipation leading up to that, let me watch the animated ones, because I know there's some animated Lord of the Rings movies. So I watched the, the 1977 Hobbit film, which I've never seen before. Um, which is a musical, which is about Bilbo Baggins and his journey (laughs) through Middle-earth and meeting Smog. Have have you seen that recently? I I watched it when I was a kid, and I remember being kind of, like, afraid of it. I think, like, the animation style, like, kind of disturbed me. It's it's very grotesque. It's very Yeah, there's something weird about it. And then, like, recently, I just, like, threw it on in the background while I was doing other things, just to, like, try and refresh my memory a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think I was also surprised to find out that it was a musical. <laughs> yeah, I, 
definitely recommend like a rewatch. Um, it's on archive.org, archive.org, my new favorite streaming oh, site. Yeah. Um, so it's available free, as, as are the other two movies in the little strange animated trilogy. So yeah, The Hobbit, obviously it covers The Hobbit, his uh, Bilbo getting the ring from Gandalf, their convoluted journey to Middle-earth, mm-hmm. they meet Gollum. The orcs are really messed up because the orcs have two throats, and so it's like they have like these close-ups of. It's just really weird seeing that. It's just that animation choice just makes it really horrific. And a lot of the designs are cool. Smog is like a cat dragon, which I thought is like really, really interesting choice. But yeah, um, then there was a Ralph Bashke film from 1978, The Lord of the Rings, which cover which is not related to The Hobbit at all. It was made entirely different by an entirely different uh, studio, production studio or whatever. And um, it covers Fellowship in Two Towers. It, it covers the okay. first two books. It doesn't cover the third one, which is I think is really odd. But yeah. it's really worth a watch because it's a mixture of animation, rotoscope, like, and all these like weird like experimental techniques. And so there's like a scene where they're like, they go into a tavern and there's like animated hobbits having a conversation with rotoscope humans, but the background is like painted, and it's just like huh. this trippy vision where it's just like it feels like a, a like a kind of a cool version of Middle Earth, where like yeah, like it's a blend in, of all of these weird things. So when you're seeing battle scenes, it's like live action, but like rotoscoped in like a weird psychedelic way. And so like there's some shots in there that are like burned in my mind in like a good way, like when the um, what are um, not the nice of Rohan, uh, whatever the, the the ring race. So when like the ring wraiths show up in that movie, and there's like actual dudes on horses, but they're like completely black, but the entire backdrop is like psychedelic watercolors. Huh. It's like fucking sick. I'm like, okay, this is like kind of badass in its own way that this movie came out in like '78, and it's like this weird precursor. There's like some shots that are literally in Fellowship, like the. Uh, ring wraith leaning like ringing uh sort leaning over the uh the tree as the four hobbits were like hiding under it is like directly taken and used by peter jackson later on which i think is really cool so yeah, i'm looking at some, is, some gifts of this right now <laughs> it looks pretty cool it's a it's a very trippy movie it's kind of long i had to like break it into a couple of uh, sittings but it's definitely like worth a watch and it's it, it's benefits because it's not a musical so it's just like straightforward and then yeah. uh Lastly, it's followed by um, uh, Return of the King, which is the sequel to The Hobbit, which is just the story of Frodo, which is like just the final chapter. And it's a musical, which is really strange because it has like a great song, um, Frodo and the Nine Fingers. And it's like a really cheesy 70s song. I will probably add it at the end of this episode. But, uh, it's, a, it's good. It's a, a very strange little... A trilogy of movies to watch to watch the hobbit the lord uh first two chapters and then the third chapter and so that little journey of films is like kind of a mind fuck and they're all free on archive.org so if you yeah if you have time uh <laughs> it's like a like a very strange nightmarish bizarro version of the trilogy you probably know and love. yeah i'll probably throw on lord of the rings because i i'm looking at these ring rays and it looks fucking rad I want a whole movie just like, yeah, rotoscoping. That's not not like a thing people do anymore, unless they're doing like a waking lifestyle thing. Um, 
but yeah, it's just is, like straight out of hell or something. <laughs> yeah, there's some parts that are like truly nightmarish, and I like their depiction of Gollum very strange, very dark. Um, and also, shout out to Rotoscoping. There is a YouTuber out there, his name is Joel Haver, and he does um, YouTube skits, and basically it'll be like a a POV of a Skyrim NPC, but the whole thing is like rotoscoped. Oh, yeah, I think I've seen some of that. Yeah, he had a Care Bears sketch that was allegedly stolen by Saturday Night Live hmm. past season. Um, yeah, so shout out to Joel Haver for keeping, carrying <laughs> the torch of rotoscoping alive. Like It's probably getting really easy, too, with, like, automation and stuff. Yeah. And with, like, a AI. Like, I know I, there was some video going around where these guys basically fed, like, an AI imaging software uh, just art from, like, this anime artist. Um, I think the guy who does, like, Vampire Hunter D or whatever. Um, and so they basically just stole this guy's style. <laughs> and then they and then they uh, filmed themselves in, like, costumes in front of green screens. And then they had just, like, the AI, like, paint over them. Um, yeah. And... It didn't look great, but it, like, considering, like, it, it, it seems like, it, you, you know, you hire a handful of artists to, like, clean it up, and then it would probably look really good. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, and just that is theoretically cheaper than, yeah, like, or, or sorry, more time, less, way less time than, you know. Taking, yeah. Less time and hiring less artists, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. but that's, the, I mean, you know, hopefully, <laughs> like, this is always the thing, it's like. You know, oh, you're gonna have to hire less artists to do this, so you're losing jobs. But hopefully, the thing is that they get to produce way more content, so they're still hiring a large number of people. They're just, you know, producing ten or a hundred times as much stuff. Yeah, uh, it's easier to figure out what the winner is, and then, you know, Netflix can cancel <laughs> shows yeah. way more, way faster. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> get to the end yeah. game much faster yeah, yeah. it's definitely been interesting yeah moving down here in the midst of a strike but also like being involved in an, another like an adjacent industry that is will eventually end up in the point of like strike and workers reform at some point very soon yeah like, in the next five or ten years just because of and all the other widespread like unionizing that's happening and just the conversation is becoming so much more uh in public and acceptable it's, you gotta go buy a box of donuts, go down on one of these strikes, start handing them out yeah. to people, start networking. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah. Be like, oh, I'm you're like, the don Thomas, the donut guy. You're a writer? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to have a hook for something. Yeah, I, I yeah. went to the office for the first time this past Wednesday, and it was a trip because it was like being back in South Korea because it was like full of Korean people all speaking Korean. I was in there, and it was super cold, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is like being back in Hanam a little bit. So looking forward to doing that. Got a bunch of business cards already, making friends. Like yeah. Um. Let's see. What else? Yeah. To watch? What? What do you? You said you Did didn't. You take any, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. You said you didn't take any notes, but have you been watching or playing anything? Oh shit! I've been playing the hell out of Baldur's Gate three. Have you started Baldur's uh, Gate three? I haven't. I've been. I'm so lagging. That's why I've been playing the game you loaned me, uh, Fallen Order. Oh, I'm yeah. playing that because I was like, I don't have any money for new games right now. I want to play Tears of the Kingdom and uh, Baldur's Gate really badly. Yeah, but Tears of the Kingdom, I 
it has completely been set aside after I got pulled into. I like I forgot I owned it. <laughs> like it is. Yeah, this Switch is collecting dust. Um, yeah. yeah, I started playing so sequel to Falling Order Jedi Survivor. Started playing that because uh, it was on sale, and like you have to play it in quality mode, which is like the thirty frames mm-hmm. per second, four K with like all the bells and whistles. You have to play it in that mode because if you try playing in performance mode. It's just like a mess. Uh, there's like screen tearing and like the frame rate is constantly fluctuating. It's like not smooth. Um, so they released EA. the, huh? I know. Come on, <laughs> and it's like been like six months since that game came out or something. Um, but they released a patch, which it basically turned off ray tracing for performance mode so that it can have a more consistent 60 frames per second it seems to work a lot better however i'm still getting all sorts of bugs and it's still just like like embarrassing for this company that they released this game and after this many months it's still like a mess um yeah, but, Mars uh, low. Mars very low. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after after Cyberpunk, like, which is, it's been like two years since that game came out, and it's finally getting like this DLC <laughs> and this update that's like gonna make it a more complete version. Like, I was playing it uh, a couple months ago, Cyberpunk, having a great time with it, but like, it was yeah, clear like same. it wasn't, you know, super refined. Like, my interaction, my the combat interactions were just it was kind of just the same shit over and over again. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's a very peculiar game because yeah, there's it's very much filled with busy work and a lot a lot of plot lines that do seem to be rich and filled with lots of cool stuff. But I just it just I didn't feel compelled to really dive into it because I yeah. felt a little bit bored by just the everyone talked the same. I, 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 I had conversations with like NPCs of like, oh piece of shit motherfucker, dumb. <laughs> All you guys talk like the same like. None of you guys like, have, like, tactfulness for, like, nice you guys. There was one cool uh, quest I found where it's just, like, this, like, monk. Uh, okay. And he just, like, wants you to, like, meditate with him. And then you kind okay. of, like, end up in a new, like, nature space. Okay. And then, like, See, that sounds bad. And then there's just, like, a voiceover. He's, he just, like, talks you through it. And then you just come back and you're back in cyberpunk world. And it's all shitty and dystopian. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know there's amazing stuff there. Like, there's a cool vending machine guy character like talk to him and have conversations with him oh maybe i know what you're talking about uh not totally sure yeah it's a a weird little side quest i yeah i had fun playing it but it was ultimately kind of frustrating but having a lot of fun with jedi fallen order thank you for letting me borrow it because it's kick ass and like slicing people up yeah the sequel it's it feels a lot more sort of open worldy because you're like the map is like i feel like the maps are less like streamlined it's more like broad and uh more encourages like exploration but there's also a bit of like a hub like town area where you can actually receive quests from people and stuff um but uh and you can actually like fast travel between meditation points which make which makes like if you're into like collecting all the random shit that makes it way easier um That would be a lot helpful. That was, I would love that in this one because yeah. I've gotten lost multiple times. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Baldur's Gate three, man. Um, yeah, like I've heard many people say this, so I will say it too. It is the closest approximation to Dungeons and Dragons I've seen in a video game, where it's nice. like it just 
it just encourages like creativity and rewards creativity. Yeah, it's not even that it encourages creativity. It just like it gives you all this shit to play with, and then you start playing with it, and shit works. And so, okay, so let me give you some examples, or uh, let me try and break this discussion up into different areas of focus, I guess. So some cool stuff. I want to know what what you've done. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess I guess in terms of like cool. Okay, so there, I, I allied myself with, like, these clearly evil people and <laughs> with the intention of, like, double-crossing them down the line. I was like, I'm going to agree to do what they want me to do and then I'm just not going to do it. And so uh, I agree to do what they want me to do. They want me to go, like, meet some of their allies somewhere. I go meet those allies. I kill them. <laughs> gotcha. uh, I, I return and they haven't heard anything. And my, my character... Uh, he has like a perk where he can see invisible enemies. Um, and so there's all these invisible like guards all around and that I can see and I can like go up to him and start talking to him. Uh, but they're clearly there in case they need to ambush me in case I like try and pull some shit. So what I do is I, I don't want to fight all of these different guys. So what I do is I, um, there's like a cliff and I, I, I have a spell, a minor illusion, so I can create an illusion at the edge of this cliff. So I create a cat. There's just a cat hanging out there, this like spectral cat. So all of these guards, all these guys are like, what the fuck is this going on with this cat? And so they all wander over to this cliff. And then, uh, so combat is turn-based, um, yeah. but you can manually turn on turn-based mode. So you can like be really ta- uh, tactical with like how you want to move your characters around. So I turn turn-based mode on as soon as all these guards are, like, approaching the edge of the cliff. And I just, like, order each one of my the members of my party to just, like, run up and push these guards. Yeah, yeah. And so I just threw them all off. And then, right. like, <laughs> and so now, like, the camp is, like, aware, like, oh, I've betrayed these people. <laughs> like, they have to kill me. But now there's, like, half as many guys that I need to fight. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was just, I just came up with a solution and I got to do it. Um, yeah. yeah, and I don't know. There's like the stories like actually compelling. It's it's almost like a bit of a MacGuffin. So the idea is, uh, you wake up. You're on this like sort of like a crashing spaceship with this like Cthulhu looking guy in front of you who plants a tadpole into your eyeball and it like works its way into your brain. Oh god! And so you like find someone else on the ship who also has one of these things in their head and you can like communicate with each other mentally because of these tadpoles in your brains. And then like the ship goes down and you like find other survivors who also have tadpoles in their heads. And it turns out there's like a a cult, uh, that are like, you know, worshiping the tadpole in a way or something (laughs) like that. Um, and so your mission is to basically get the tadpole out of your head and along the way, uh, you know, you decide, do I want to help this cult? Maybe I don't want to get the tadpole out of my head. Maybe oh. I want to, like, feed its power. Um, oh, okay. And so, yeah, I don't know. But it's, like, actually compelling. I'm actually excited to see where things go. I'm excited to see, like, the payoffs of, like, all these interac- different interactions that I'm having. Yeah. Um, That's so I've put, like, 65 hours into it, I think, and I'm only, like, halfway in. Uh, nice. But I'm also one of those people who tries to like check every corner and make sure that like every inch of the map has been explored. So gotcha. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm I'm sort of like that. It depends. If the map is too big, like there's some levels, sorry, there's some planets in Fallen Order that I think are a little too big for their own mm-hmm. good. But overall, I'm having a good time. And that's one game where I think, is, is yeah, it takes kind of like the Dark Souls kind of DNA and it puts it into the Star Wars world for those yeah. who are listening who, who might not know. So it's like you have this amazing Star Wars world with all of the fun sounds and lore and shit that you're familiar with. And then it's just like, you have to be like parrying and dodging and yeah. focusing on those iframes and trying to, try to do your best to like actually survive and not just like brute force your way through fights. And so as you get more powers, it gives you more options to do things. And so as I was playing, I was like, holy shit, once you get more like force powers and you get the ability to like to pull people towards you and stab them in the stomach, yeah. I was like, this is like, this feels like some Sith shit. I was like, this is like, this feels like something a Jedi wouldn't do. <laughs> in the sequel, you can sort of like use Jedi mind trick on enemies to convince oh, them to cool. fight each other. And I was like, I'm not investing in this because this feels yeah. like, this feels like dark side shit. However, yeah. I do use it if it's like, there's like a big creature next to like a bunch of stormtroopers and it's like, yeah, I'll yeah. convince the creature to like attack them. But Yeah, that's always yeah. a good time. But yeah, I was thinking of that when you're talking about getting all the enemies to the cliff. I was like, yeah, once I got the force push, I was like, if I'm a Jedi, I'm yeah. just going to push you off the cliff. And him. You'll, you'll figure you'll figure it out. You might live, you might die. Let's do it the Batman way, do it the Spider-Man way. <laughs> I'm not going to slice your limbs off because i feel like that's a, a little bit more on the dark side uh on the on the spectrum of light and dark gotta try to try to behave with a lightsaber uh speaking of star wars have you been watching ahsoka no i haven't i need to been, uh, it's whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like it's i think it's better than obi-wan like obi-wan was okay. pretty bad um but yeah this is like it starts off really slow and like not good. Um, we watched like the first couple episodes and then we immediately rewatched all of Andor because we were like, "Wow, this is so much better." Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fallen but, Order also amazing. Another fucking good to go back to another amazing moment when you first arrive to Kashyyyk. You have this fucking incredible set piece of like you land. It's established that the Kashyyyk is being raided and attacked by the Empire, so it's like uh-huh. they're building up like, "Hey, it's going to be a big fight." shit's going down be careful when you get on the ground you land in the water like sneak up to a atat and you like climb up to it it has like a very uncharted kind of feel in this mission where you're like climbing the vines on this walking atat as you get to the top of it and you like build the pilots in there take it over and then Saul Guerrero pops up in the it was like like applauded i was like oh <laughs> no one told me force whitaker was in this game i absolutely love this yeah it's a it's a great moment yeah, just like good set pieces like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm looking forward to playing the sequel. It's cool because you kind of just get lost in like, like the game. I don't know. You just get kind of like lost in like exploring and yeah, yeah navigating these worlds. And then it hits you with some narrative, and you're like, oh yeah, this is when this game takes place. Like because like Star Wars is kind of like getting kind of convoluted with its timeline of like when. Yeah, yeah. Like I keep having to remind myself, like, wait, when does Ahsoka take place? Like, oh, it's after Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah, it's a it's a trip. So yeah, it it kind of yeah, seeing Sagarera, it's like, oh yeah, this I guess this is the same timeline, <laughs> like. Yeah, at least for me, it helps anchor it back to, like you said, Andor, because I'm like, that's kind of, at least Andor Rogue One seems to be, like, the place to go to right now for, like, cool rebellion, like, underdog 
like force adjacent stories like people who are just like aware of the force and they know it exists they trust in it they they but they're also like they're not jedi they're not sith they're i think because people. i think disney understands that the sequels weren't good <laughs> and so it's yeah. like we can't set anything like we don't want to necessarily spend time building up to something that wasn't good so like maybe yeah. let's build up to something that was good and like make movies and like shows and stuff between Re revenge of the sith and uh yeah a new hope I, yeah yeah i guess so one thing i was thinking about that i thought was absolutely hilarious is you do i think you do have some brilliant ideas ideas and nuggets of ideas in this like uh the sequel um trilogy yeah. is a mess it is a mess but i think there's some cool ideas there one of which is like the whole thing of uh finn being a stormtrooper the fact that like the stormtrooper like yeah. drops into the desert takes off his helmet it's a fucking black dude under there it's like, oh yeah. wow there's there's a person under that helmet that's great <laughs> but i'm playing through um, fallen order and there's like a little like side cutscene between two characters like yeah, man, it felt no, it felt fucking great killing those stormtroopers, man. Like they, <laughs> they, they raided our village. It felt so good to get revenge. And I was like, oh yeah, this is sort of negating the the cool idea that um, uh, Force yeah. Awakens sort of gave us. That, oh yeah, maybe that um, stormtrooper you're killing could potentially could be a Force sensitive yeah. person. You never know. Like that could be a, a Jedi you're killing. But I don't know. Just <laughs> set aside that yeah, idea. Yeah, they just, were like a child soldier who's been like exploited. It's like no, let's just get back to. But even the Force Awakens, <laughs> even the Force Awakens undercuts that immediately when it's like Finn is like making his escape with Poe, and he's like immediately shooting other stormtroopers. It's like, aren't <laughs> yeah, these your buddies? <laughs> yeah. Like, like you know where they come from. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so I'll check out Ahsoka. I don't. When, when does it take place? Like um... It's after... So it's very much a sequel to Clone Wars. Or not Clone Wars. Uh, Star Wars Rebels. So if you oh. haven't seen Star Wars Rebels... I'm wondering, like, how, have, how are people perceiving the show if they haven't seen Star Wars Rebels? Because it's kind of just, like, introducing things, assuming you know what is happening. Like, do you know who yeah. Thrawn is? I know he's blue. Yeah. <laughs> um... There's like space whales. I don't think that's a spoiler if you've never seen Rebels. Like if you've seen Rebels, you'd be like, wait a minute, there's the space whales come back? But if like you've never that's, seen it, you'd be like, What the yeah. fuck is this? <laughs> like what that's is happening? Cool. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, there's I love like in Fallen Order, yeah, you know, when you go to Kashyyyk and you go to like a forest and it's like a living forest, mm -hmm. you get to see like the fauna and the animal. Love the yeah. The more animals we see in Star Wars, the happier I am usually. Just give me give us more there are there is a loth cat in ahsoka mm. uh which i'm pretty sure is you know most of the time an animatronic which is nice um nice. but uh i don't know i think the whales are the the biggest draw in terms of creature um, <laughs> yeah, yeah check it out um yeah now that i'm getting more settled getting back into watching things yeah check it out um i mean i think we're like there's other stuff i watch but i think we're kind of at an hour so yeah i've watched some things that were so so maybe not totally worth diving into um yeah i've just been now i'm like back in now that i'm in los angeles and living here for the first time i was like, I'm like watch 
Los Angeles movie, so I watched mm-hmm. Friday because that's my favorite movie. But I have like other things kind of queued up. I watched Training Day, some other some other things. But looking to do like a deep dive into some more lesser known ones or some other things or hidden gems. Yeah. Should watch Miracle Mile. Old Hollywood, maybe. Actually, that's a movie that I'll probably have us watch at some point for one of our themes. Miracle Mile. Yeah. Hidden Gem. All right. Nice. Well, with that said, with ending the conversation on Star Wars, Rebellion is the next theme. And we had chosen Red Dawn. And so that was like two months ago when I watched it. Now we'll rewatch it again. (laughs) Get back into the swing of things. Yes, yes, yes. The cool. Go back into it. Good to get a little catch-up episode in. I don't have my little sign-off thing. Twitter's weird now. I don't even know if I'm going to... We don't even use Twitter. Twitter (laughs) So I would say if you're listening to us, continue to listen to us and find us anywhere you get to your podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. I believe we're on other things as well. If you're listening to us right now, continue doing that. (laughs) You you have found us somehow. Yeah, but yes... Once again, thank you for listening. This has been episode 131 of Vague Zone. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas. And I am Daniel. We'll see you next time. Frodo of the Nine Fingers And the Ring of Doom It started with a hobbit In Gollum's Cave of Gloom